brought to you by Nacho. Hello, and welcome to Payment Smartcast, Nacho's podcast channel, featuring discussions of interest to the payments community. I'm Dan Roth, Senior Director of Communications at Nacha. The NACHA operating rules and guidelines are the foundation of every ACH payment. The rules include the legal framework for the ACH network and the basic obligations of each ACH network participant. Additionally, they include appendices with details on rules enforcement, annual audit requirements, a complete table of return reason codes, and formatting specifications. NACHA just released the 2024 edition of the NACHA rules, which is available for purchase in the NACHA store and through regional payment associations. I'm grateful to welcome three individuals to today's podcast who combined have many decades of experience working with the ACH network. And I'm looking forward to hearing their distinct perspectives on the NACHA operating rules and guidelines. Carrie Conahan is the Senior Director and Group Manager of ACH Network Rules and Enforcement at NACHA. Jim Pekovitz is Vice President of Education and Training at WestPay. And George McKee is the founder, president, and CEO of Profituity. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us on Payment Smartcast and making your debut to talk about the rules book. But before we jump into the NACHA rules, I'm just helping, hoping that you can just provide us a little bit about your background and your journey to and within NACHA. Sure, Dan, that's great. Thanks so much for including me. Um, my name is Carrie Conahan, and I have been with NACHA in our rules department for over 33 years, but I started out as a non-banker. I have no banking experience at all. I come to Nacho with an economics background and I thought it might be kind of a connection, you know, that I could use my economics history and bring it to Nacho. But, you know, it was a real eye-opening thing to see that there's not really any um, direct linkage there. Uh, but I started out as uh, a total novice in the ACH space. Um, I knew nothing about ACH other than I had direct deposit and I joined Nacho's rules department. And I will never forget the day where I sat down and a colleague plopped a copy of the Nacho operating rules in front of me and said, welcome to Nacho. But I've really come to love the rules. They're part of me at this point. You know, I live, eat and sleep uh, rulemaking. So um, I'm really happy to have this conversation and hopefully be able to shed some light on the rules are not as bad as you think they are. Well, and and I think who will also echo that is Jim. So I know that Jim, you also have a lot of experience when it comes to the rules. So tell us a bit about you and the role of WestPay and payment associations within the ACH network. Sure, uh, my name's Jim Petkovitz. I'm, uh... I've been with Westpay since 2001. I started in ACH in 1994 and I earned my AAP in 1997. I like to tell people I was plucked out of obscurity in preschool as a three-year-old and I had a pro I was an ACH prodigy, so they gave me the test. Um, but no, uh, regional payment associations like Westpay, our main job is really to help educate financial institutions, third-party service providers, originators on the way the rules work and you know, how they have to understand the rules and how important they are to their daily lives and ACH processing. Um, I, I joke, like I said, you know, I need, I understand the rules so they don't have to, but the reality is understanding the rules is so important for, for every organization. You know, every originator, every third party sender signs an agreement with their ODFI that says they agree to be bound by the rules. 
and understanding what they're agreeing to is really important. It can be intimidating, like Carrie said, when you hand them a rule book, but when it gets down to it, understanding that that rule section of the under and, and all the tools that are in there is just such a valuable resource to any organization. And George, I'm really happy that you're joining us because I think a lot of times when people think about the NACHA rules, they think about payment associations or financial institutions, but I'm looking to your point of view. So tell us a bit about you and Profituity and what role you pay, play in the payments ecosystem and the ACH network. Sure. Um, well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So, uh, you know, I have been uh, in numerous businesses, all in the technology space for most of my career. Um, Profituity came around uh, 12 years ago or so. Uh, when I acquired a company that was a third-party payment processor. So I didn't have direct payments experience, unlike, uh, unlike my colleagues on the panel here today. But uh, I got a very quick education in the fact that there is this book called The Nacha Rules, and you know everybody needs to pay attention to it, particularly in the third-party space. And so um, although Profituity started as a, as a third-party primarily itself, I always had the strategic vision to morph it into being a solution provider to third-party processors in the ecosystem. And so that's primarily what we are today. We provide the infrastructure that helps third parties operate within the rules, operate safely, and mitigate their risk. So, Carrie, I, I, I loved your story about when you sat down and you had that very first time that you had the, the rule book put in front of you. Now, fast forward after you've had that experience at NACHA for many decades, when you get now the newest edition of the NACHA operating rules, what's your process of when you, you get the latest edition? And do you still prefer the printed edition, the printed version, or is there another version? And, and why do you prefer the version that you do? Well, Dan, you know, we have the rules available in three different media. We have a paper-bound version that's a spiral-bound edition. We have an online rules tool, which is really great for people who don't want to haul around the bulk or they like the electronic option. And that's pretty cool because it gives us search features and bookmarking features. And it's it's a lot easier to, to find something if you want to just put in a search string um, that you don't get with the paper. And then we also have it in a PDF type of a version on an app. So we have a lot of different choices for the end user. And I think it's good to know that you can do those in combination. You can use them in any form that you might find most helpful to you. But personally, for me, I'm a book girl um, because I am so deep in these rules all the time, literally all day. It's always open on my desk. And for me, it's just easier to have it right here because I can page through it and go exactly to the section that I need instead of having to remember what my passwords are uh, or to, to keep the, the tabs open. So I'm in it so frequently, I just think it's easier. And maybe I'm a little bit old school too, you know? Um, just a little side note about the rules. We consider the bound version, the print version to be the legal sound document. That's the one where um, if there are any other errors or discrepancies among the others, because we do have to outsource them, we would go back to the hard copy print version to say that's the, the one you rely on. So um, I just find the print version to be more functional for me on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Well, and Carrie, I'm glad that you brought up that there are the three formats. So I have to turn to George. Do you have a preferred format? Are you like Carrie that you you prefer the printed version or among the formats? Do you have a preferred version for you and your staff? Well, my my staff and I have divergent views on it. My preferred format, and Carrie, I can't believe you missed this one, but you know, every year I can go to the payments show and I can take the printed version and I can get people to sign it. So I get autographs collected in, in my book, but, um, but my team really, really prefers the electronic version because we have a distributed organization. We're all around the country, right? And so people can have ac access to, um, to the rules in real time, no matter where they are. So it's very helpful for us. And, uh, and our team's uh, you know, we use it across the company and not just um, not just me being, you know, on uh, uh, our compliance committee, but our dev team uses it. Our, you know, product teams use it. Our operations teams use it. It's a, it's an integral part of our operation. Well, and 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 Jim, I, I, I need to ask you the same question. So we have some some. Carrie, who loves the printed version, certainly there's folks on on George's staff who prefer electronic, but he's keeping the the who's who of payments in the printed version. Where do you stand on this on this question of of, of preferred format? I, I think I'm more in Carrie's camp. I, I love the printed version. I actually I, I have to admit I collect the rules books. I have them going back to 1997, but um, every year I like the the hard copy version, but I like it because it has the online version available. So we also travel, we do audits for our members. We, I teach a lot of classes in person and the ability to go in there and pull up a rule and be able to research it without having to carry around that book is extremely important. It's extremely valuable, but I, I still like to have the, 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 I'm, I like to have it in my hands and to open it up and find that page or bookmark it or know the ones I'm going to and, and revert, you know, sometimes the rules will change and you have to memorize its new article and appendix, but I, I, I like the book in my hands personally. One more thing about the print version is because we're always writing new, right? So a lot of the editing process and the notation process happens in the existing book. So that's easier to do in a paper version than, you know, sticking a note or a sticky on uh, the electronic version. Yeah. And I find like if I'm on the phone with a member or if I'm talking to an organization and I'm on the phone, it's kind of hard to get online and to do all those at once. I can open up the book and find what I'm looking for and reference the rule. But then if they need information, then I can go and find it and tell them where they can find it online for their own their own references or to find it in their own rule book. Well, Jim, and I think you bring up an excellent point that a lot of what you do at West Pay and Payments Associations is a resource for your members. So when has been a time when you have been on the phone with one of your financial institution members and it was really beneficial that they had that most recent version of the NACHA operating rules? Oh, it every single day. Every single day we get calls from our members asking about a rule change about, you know, third party senders needing to do risk assessments or the difference between, you know, newer recent rules like the difference between a subsequent entry and a single entry. I can't think of a day in, I can't believe I'm saying this, 22 years that I haven't needed the most recent copy of the rule book. I, I, like I said, I collect them. I have them going back to 1997. And I think it's only just so my son has something to throw away when I pass away. It, I couldn't do my job without the most recent version. And I and every single day I have it right on my 
right left hand side every day and I'm in that book every single day looking for something verifying the right rule the right reference if we're trying to answer a question and sometimes they can be really important because our members are dealing with you know their liability if there's an account takeover or their rights if the money has been has been fraudulently withdrawn from an account so knowing exactly what their rights are and exactly what those rules mean today I look back at my 1997 rule book, there was 13 articles and 10 appendices and there was no web entries, no tell entries. If you're not looking, there's no e-check conversion. They were talking about implementing rules for CBR and PBR transactions. And if you're looking at something that doesn't reference what's happening today, you're going to be behind and you're not going to be mitigating your risks the right way. Well, and George, I think a very similar question to you is profituity in, in the last 12 years that you've been involved. What have been times when you've looked and said, much like Jim has, has the payments world has changed to make sure that your staff uh, had that most recent version at their fingertips when doing their 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 day-to-day -day jobs? And, you know, the landscape is changing every day. And even though, you know, the the newest rules come out, you know, once a year, but you know, there are updates to those. There are current hot topics in the industry. For example, um, recently there's been an awful lot of um, kind of renewed view on nested third parties. And so when we look at um, the subscribers to our platform, you know, many of them are, you know, third parties, but they have nested third party relationships and they don't quite understand the magnitude of the obligation of what you have to do if you have a nested third party. So for us to be able to go back to the rules and explain to people, this is how it works. This is why it works this way. It really is vital. And it gives our team uh, a tremendous measure of confidence, you know, in being able to relay that information because we know how thoroughly Nacha goes through and vets all of these. So um, it's, it's an integral part of our business and we use it pretty much every day. So what advice would you have for third parties and nested third parties and other ACH end users when they see that a new version of the rules comes out every year about the benefits of having that most recent version at their finger at their fingertips? We we highly encourage all of our partners and all of our customers to get the current copy. Um, we tell them first thing, that's what you need to do so that we're all referencing the same rules when we're looking at a question, right? Because we don't want to just read it to our customers. We want to read along with our customers to help them understand. You know, part of the value that we provide is helping them understand the why behind things and we can give them better context. But if they're in possession of the rules, it creates a bit more um, accountability on their part to live by the rules. So, Kerry, just as George is working with his customers who have questions about the rules, you spend a good portion of your day with financial institutions who also have questions about the NACHA operating rules. So why do these institutions need to, one, have a copy of the rules, and two, make sure that it is the most recent version? It's essential. Um, as you say, we have conversations all the time in our rules department with end users, with financial institutions, with corporates um, who call us hoping for help in interpreting either their current business situation or they need to understand what a rule is and what their obligations are for handling a specific ACH entry. 
And that's always the first question that we ask as well is A, do you have a copy of the notch operating rules? And B, we used to ask what color is it because it was the easiest thing to choose, you know, and your sea of, of books, you know, we would know right off the bat if they had the current one or not. Um, but it's critical to have the most up-to-date version because that language is constantly changing. It's a living document and we're always working on um, issues or changes to serve the industry's needs. Either we're responding to a need for you know, a new product or a new service, or we may be addressing uh, a current risk topic. So there's always rulemaking that's going on and without the current rules, you don't get access to those new rules. I know George already mentioned supplements, but one of the critical reasons to have the current version as well is to make sure that you have access to new rules as they become effective and as they're approved. Throughout the course of the year, we will issue supplements based on the current subscription um, that update the membership on recently approved changes and what they mean to those individual parties. Without the current subscription, you don't have access to that information. And I would build on what Ari said is, you know, in the same way, we're talking to our members every every day about things that are in the rules. And you need you need to have the current rule book. I mean, in 20 and 30 years of ACH, I can't recall a year that there weren't at least some minor changes and in some cases significant changes. And you have to be on top of those. You have to know what's happening. You have to understand what those rules mean and how they impact you or your organization. And the other thing that I've always loved about the ACH rules about NACHA is this rule book is not, you know, Carrie's not sitting in her office writing down every single rule and telling us how to play by the rule book. The rules themselves are created by the network and through the regional associations, through the direct members, when there's something that isn't working right in the rules or something that needs to be fixed, you can address that through NACHA, but it's also important, you know, to sometimes look at, look at the rule book itself, find out sometimes, and sometimes you find just small mistakes that can be corrected by working with the right folks, because it's a living document and it can be changed and updated and, and corrections can be made when necessary to the rule book or, or enhancements or, or whatever has to be addressed can be done through the network itself. It's not something that NACHA comes down and says, you must obey. It's something that they work collaboratively with the industry. So, Carrie, when the new copy of the latest version of the rules arrives and you have it, how do you view the rules as a novel that is to be read from start to finish? or is a tool to help you in your work? It's a tool, absolutely. Um, it's a large volume of information and it's there so that everyone has access to the whole picture of ACH, right? If you want to know everything that all of your counterparties have to do or to understand what the, uh, the other side is going to do for how they process the ACH payment that you've just originated or, or returned, it's there for you, but you don't necessarily have to take in all of that material all at once. You can pick and choose and access those sections that you need to support your specific business model. And you don't have to read it all at once. You don't have to go through the whole book to find what you need. It is a very targeted reference that you can use, you know, in, in a more functional way. 
but you know when you open it up it's not it's not the rules is the rules section is a small part of the book the guidelines that help you walk through what you learn is so much more of it and like you had just said the the rules are are a piece and you need to know the rules but the guidelines help you understand what those rules mean and how those rules apply to you so i think when people look at the rule book and realize you have the rules and the rules are important, but you also have the guidelines. And that's the, the the vast majority and the technical standards and formats. That's the vast majority of what we're looking at. You bring up some excellent point to think about this document as something to use very specifically. And I think, George, you have uh, I'm really curious about your point of view because you are very focused on third parties. So how you think about the entirety of the rule book, but how it specifically applies to you. Sure. So the rules are comprehensive, many changes to the book ongoing and to the rules, but not everything changes all the time. And so, you know, you have a very good, once you're in this space, you get a base level understanding um, that's really good and it helps you navigate every day, but, but you have to up, be updated on the changes. And so that's really what we pay attention to. We feel at Profituity, we have a really good handle um, on the on the basic rules, but we are very curious about what's changing and why, so that we as we help our customers mitigate their risk and operate within the rules, we can exp we can give them context, right? Um, and Nacha, I will say, Nacha has been very very helpful, um, as well as the other RPAs around helping us think through it, right? If we have a question, it's not just left up to our interpretation. We do have resources that we can reach out to, and we do reach out to. And ask questions. Are we seeing this right? Are we thinking about this the right way? Is there anything else we should be considering? And can I just add that when rules are changed and we issue those supplemental supplemental documents, we include um, a summary of what the changes are. So in each annual production of the rules, up in the front, there's a section specifically dedicated to revisions, things that have been recently approved and are coming soon. Either they are in the body of the rules or they soon will be. So they're called out for people so that they're easier to find uh, and understand. And then they include some cross-referencing. So, um, you know, it's it it helps to try to be able to flag some of these upfront so people can find them easier. And understand what they mean to them specifically. And that that's always like the first, you get your rule book and you open up to the front, like, okay, what's changed, what's new, and how does this impact me? And what does it mean to me? So it's always been, a, the, you know, the first part, it's like, Christmas morning, you open up and see what's new. I, I think the most important question is we've talked about the benefits of having the most recent version, uh, What, who, who benefits from that. I think the most important question that is left is how. How do people who are listening get the most recent version of the NACHA rules and guidelines? Yeah, well, I would say from a for members of a regional association reaching out to your regional association, of course, they can help you order them. I know that ours and others will help even if you want to have them shipped directly to your originators, we can help you organize that. And I would say for the direct members of NACHA, I would defer to Carrie here, but you can also order them directly through NACHA. Um, but don't don't just look at last year's. I mean, if you're looking at the red book this year, that's the right one, but next year's black. Is that right, Carrie? It's black in honor of our 50th anniversary. So thank you, Carrie, Jim, and George for taking the time to sit down with us today and for sharing your wealth of insights.
Again, the NACHA operating rules and guidelines are available for purchase both in the NACHA store and through your regional payments associations. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us again today. We look forward to future editions of NACHA's Payment SmartCast, where we continue to bring in diverse voices from across the payments community to share their thoughts on the latest issues impacting our industry.